Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Wow. I didn't expect to stay up until 10 o'clock last night. I figured that after the first four innings of the Giants and the Diamondbacks, I felt that, all right, well, this one's over. They might score a couple of runs here and there, but there's no way that the Diamondbacks are going to come back, right? There's no way that Alex Wood is going to give up this lead, especially with an inning that's sparked by a Zach Gallen double. No. No, it's not going to happen. No. (laughs) You kidding me? Giants are one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. You know what? No, I'm going to be that absolute with it. They are the best team in baseball. No chance they give up that lead to the Diamondbacks. No chance. And then it all comes down to what happened at the bottom of the ninth. Off the glove of Walker. The throw to first. is in to score, and the Giants win it 8-7. to seven. Another error charged on the final play to Christian Walker, and the Giants don't care. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Let's do a little rewind. Let's do a little Deadpool non-linear storytelling where we start off with what happened at the end and then we work our way back and tell you the story of how we got to that point because with that 8 to 7 was your final score as Chris Bryant hit a line shot over to Christian Walker at first base and Christian Walker just couldn't handle it and oof just a uh, tough inning for the kid. Tough fitting for him as he had uh, uh, that blunder earlier on in the inning to get Lamont Wade on base. And then, of course, what he did there with Chris Bryant. But early on in the game, and this was my favorite part about it, was that in these types of matchups, especially with ones that the Giants have played as of late, these big wins that the Giants have been getting, whether it's the series against the Dodgers, the series against the Brewers, whoever it is. They have come up on top. They've come out on top with those with those teams. And when you can get to these series where you just got a couple of games against the Diamondbacks and you 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 know whether it's going up against the Pirates, whoever it is, you're afraid that they might come out sluggish. They might take a break. You know, relax a little bit. Do what the best teams do. But my favorite part about this game is that that they just came out swinging right away, scoring four early runs in the first inning, whether it's Chris Bryant or Mike Yastrzemski or Alex Dickerson. And it's not like they were even doing it with the home run. They were just getting on base against Zach Gallen. And Zach Gallen, I don't know what happened to him. I said this the last time because he, start, he, uh, he made a start earlier in the month uh, when they last played the Diamondbacks in that three-game series. But he last made the start, and I was thinking, 
you know, this guy was supposed to be incredibly good. He was traded straight up for Jazz Chisholm. And Jazz Chisholm, who you know, over in Miami, um, I'm not sure whether he's heard or not. I haven't heard from him in a while. But Jazz Chisholm is one of the more fun rookies in baseball. So you figure that you got to trade a lot to get for him. And Zach Gallon was that guy. And he just hasn't been good. And he gave up four early runs on in the bottom of the first. And then there wasn't anything happening in the second, third, or fourth. He actually kept it relatively stagnant here and there. But then Buster Posey hits a home run, makes it 5 to nothing, gets it over the center field wall. And then after the bottom of the fifth, that's when things start to get interesting. Because I thought Alex Wood... Within those first four innings, I thought he looked, uh, or excuse me, within those first five innings, I thought he was looking really good. I thought he had uh, command of every single one of his pitches. And then in the sixth inning, when Zach Gallen starts it off with a 103-mile-an-hour double to start the rally, then Nick Ahmed drives him home, making it 5-1. to one. Then Cattell Barté drives Nick Ahmed home with his own double, making it 5-2. to two. Then Carson Kelly gets a triple, making it 5-3. to three. And then freaking as Drupal Cabrera ends up hitting a two-run home run to tie the game at five. And as Drupal Cabrera, I'm not going to say he is Max Muncy, right? Max Muncy, the guy who's been a Giants killer the entire season. It's not been like that. It it hasn't because I went back uh, to their first uh, to their first series um, back when they played first. When was it? What was it? What was it? Uh, it was in. Oh man, I'm totally losing my place here. It was back in June when they first played uh, over against San Francisco. When he first played against San Francisco. And he just didn't have a good outing of it at all. He 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 batted 200, I think, in that series, in that four-game set. So it's not like he has been the Giants killer all season long. But ever since they started in July, they started off with a three-game set in July. And he got five hits in that series. And then in the one that they had, the four-game set that they had at the beginning of this month, two for four, one for three, one for four, and also a home run. As Drupal Cabrera was getting hits when it mattered in these series, and he did it yet again to the Giants, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe these guys just turn it on and, you know, uh, and, and, and something sparks in them where they're saying, look, I'm, uh, where this guy's saying, I'm playing the best team in baseball right now, easily the top team in our division, and I got to do something against them. And the, the, the momentum was on his side. He makes it 5 5 of the six, and this is when things start to get a little interesting. Now, nothing happened in the seventh because Dominic Leone was able to hold, uh, was able to hold that tie there, and then nothing happened in the top of the eighth except for Tyler Rogers getting in a little hot water. Whew! <laughs> oh, man. Giving up a couple of singles to start out the inning. Two runners on. It was, uh, it was scary, to say the least, in the eighth inning with Tyler Rogers, but he ended up getting out of the inning, and thankfully there was the out that was called at third with Chris Bryan and that incredibly close tag. Uh, they didn't end up challenging the call where Nick Ahmed uh, was called out, but um, very big play there in the eighth inning, and that held the lead, excuse me, that held the tie. Buster Posey... Fast forward to the bottom of the eighth. He starts it off with a walk. And then Brandon Crawford, ever so confident, does this in the bottom of the eighth inning to give the Giants the lead. Left center field. There's nobody there. Headed to the 399. Off the wall. Posey. Wotus is waving it. Here comes the relay. And he slides home safely. An RBI double by Crawford, and the Giants are back ahead. Then Chris Bryant gets intentionally walked as it is 6-5, and there still aren't any outs on the board, and they get out of the bottom of the eighth with a 7-5 lead. All right, 7-5. No problem. Two-run lead. Jake McGee's coming in. There's no chance that the Diamondbacks tie this game, right? There is no shot. But then as Drupal Cabrera yet again leads off that top of the ninth with a single on an 0-2 count. 
On the 0-2 count as Drupal Cabrera hits a single. This man does not miss against the Giants right now. And then Paven Smith comes up and he gets an 0-2 single, which was just... I mean, all these 0-2 pitches. This is the problem with Jake McGee, and this is one issue that I had. I actually felt like if they maybe could have gotten some value for him at the trade deadline, then um, then I would have been open to that because McGee, all he has is the fastball and then the occasional slider. And he throws that fastball. Look, there there was that strikeout that he had on Josh Rojas where Rojas just didn't look comfortable at all at the plate, and he painted the black right on the outside edge, which is where you're supposed to put it, right on the outside part of the plate, lefty on lefty. There was no chance that Rojas was going to get after that pitch. He can locate his fastball, fastball well at times, but when he's in an 0-2 count, these guys know what's coming. It, it doesn't. It's not always going to be a slider, and it's not like he's a Raldis Chapman where you could throw 102 miles an hour with a slider to go along with it. He is throwing 94, 95, which hitters are used to at this point. So anytime on these 0-2 counts, there isn't that strikeout pitch that McGee has, and that's what scares me about him as the closer. But nevertheless, <laughs> gives up those two singles. Then he ends up walking Christian Walker, which is just very apt for his last name. Goes on to strike out Rojas, as I mentioned. So it's one out with the bases loaded. Then he ends up walking in the run. And then Nick Ahmed hits a sack fly, makes it 7-7. They get those two, uh, they get those two runs that they need to tie the game. And it was a big strikeout, uh, with Cattell Marte. He had Cattell Marte. Marte trying to hit one out of the ballpark, and luckily he didn't do that. Now, in the bottom of the ninth, Lamont Wade gets on, and Brandon Belt ends up grounding out, and Brandon Belt, quite frankly, actually could have put uh, even more of a stamp on this game um, with that flyout that he had earlier on in the uh, in the uh, in the seventh inning. Brandon Belt very close there, but then Brand- uh, Buster Posey gets on base as well. You got two runners on in the bottom of the ninth. Brandon Crawford ends up grounding out. Then you have Lamont Wade and Buster Posey, runners on second and third. And then Chris Bryant does this. Off the glove of Walker. The throw to first. Deep, and the ball game is over. Wade is in to score. And the Giants win it 8-7. to seven. Another error. Charged on the final play. To Christian Walker, and the Giants don't care. Brutal, just a just a brutal loss for the Diamondbacks. As they, it feels like they just fight and claw and scratch. According to Chris Russo, the Mad Dog Chris Russo, he always says that they fight, they claw, they scratch. You know, it feels like at times the Giants or the Diamondbacks, whoever it is, gets these big leads, and then the opposing team manages to come back in the game. And that's happened multiple times in these series. I know that some games have been relatively boring because the Diamondbacks don't have many players besides Marte. But man, that game last night, it it was way more entertaining than it needed to be. But the thing that I liked about this game the most was that It was the top six guys in this lineup who were all doing the damage. It wasn't just a random assortment of, oh, it's, you know, Steven Duggar before he ended up going to AAA. It's not Steven Duggar doing it from the seventh spot, then maybe Lamont Wade getting an insurance run with a home run. It's not Wilmer Flores randomly uh, in the sixth hole getting a solo shot to to extend the lead. It was every single guy in the top six of the lineup. Lamont Wade, Brandon Belt, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Chris Bryant, Mike Yastrzemski, all of those guys with hits and crucial hits in this game. Very crucial. It was big what they did, and I like the lineup that they're starting to create, and I just can't wait until Evan Longoria gets back, making Gabe Kapler's job even tougher. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, you'll hear from the skipper himself, Gabe Kapler, and Buster Posey, because there was a moment that happened in this game with Madison Bumgarner over in the dugout that I want to get to, because I think Buster Posey said something uh, in the post game that'll resonate with a lot of people. So we'll get to that next. 888 that's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. 
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Left center field. There's nobody there. Headed to the 399. Off the wall. Posey. Wotus is waving it. Here comes the relay. And he slides home safely. An RBI double by Crawford. And the Giants are back ahead. Credit NBC Sports Bay Area for that audio because I do want to put a focus on that hit specifically. And and with those two guys, with Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford hitting Buster Posey in all the way around from first. And good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you up until 6 o'clock. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But I also want to mention the A's last night getting a huge win over Cleveland. I don't even know if I should call Cleveland by their regular name anymore. They're still the Indians. They're going to be turned into the Guardians come uh, uh, come next season. But the A's end up getting the win in the 10th inning, 4-3. to three. They've won five in a row, a big one for them after uh, having that series against the Rangers and just bouncing back from the Ramon Laureano situation, the fact that he suspended uh, all the way till really the end of the season for the 80 games, whatever that translates to. And uh, Starling Marte being a big reason as to why they ended up getting the win yesterday. But Jed Lowry coming through yet again at the top of the 10th, getting the RBI double to make it 4-3. to three, And then... Uh, and then uh, coming in, Andrew Chafin, who, uh, of course, they acquired at the deadline from the Cubs, ends up coming in and getting the save there in the bottom of the 10th. So big win uh, for the A's last night as well. But when it comes to the Giants and the Diamondbacks, and I do want to get to what Buster Posey had to say, because whether you're a Giants fan, Diamondbacks fan, A's fan, Cleveland fan, whatever you are, I think this resonates what Buster Posey had to say about Madison Bumgarner after the game, and we'll get to that in just a second. But the Giants starting off hot, getting a 5 nothing lead, and then the Diamondbacks crawling all the way back to make it 5-5 in the sixth inning, in a, in a, in a strange way... It felt like with how well the bullpen has been playing, because in, in, in the top of the sixth, right, when they got all those runs, and as Drupal as Cabrera, as Drupal Cabrera has turned himself into enemy number two for Giants fans, I think, this season, right behind, uh, right behind Max Muncy, at least with those who are still playing in the game, because I think you could put Trevor Bauer up there in the top three as well. But then you follow up in the bottom of the six with two straight strikeouts and then an uninspiring pop out by Tommy Lastella over to left field. In the bottom of the six, all momentum was on the Diamondbacks' side. But with how well the bullpen has been pitching as of late and how reliable they've been, Dominic Leone. I mean, Leon has been fantastic coming in. Whether it's the sixth or seventh innings, he's not going to be the setup guy. But if you're in need of some bullpen help, which you're going to need a lot of going into the playoffs, a bullpen is going to be huge once the playoffs come around. But when you're going to the bullpen, I had faith that they were going to keep the lead and that the Giants were going to somehow get those runs back because of the confidence that I've had with the lineup. And when the Giants ended up taking the lead back with that Crawford double, there was something poetic about it. And and I just got to say, with, with Buster Posey, Buster Posey yet again, two for two with three walks. He obviously had that solo home run early on to make it five to nothing to try and uh, continue to pad that lead. But, man, these two guys haven't slowed down. It's unbelievable. Like, I've been waiting for that. Because with, with Brandon Crawford, you know, for me... I was looking at the trade deadline, right? And I'm thinking, all right, who are these guys on the Giants that are that have their peak value right now? And knowing that Brandon Crawford is in a contract season and understanding that, look, when contract seasons happen, that's when these players tend to step up. And Brandon Crawford, to me, I felt like he had the most amount of trade value second to those prospects because of how well he's playing right now. And I looked to before this season, 
looking at the way that Giants fans are viewing Brandon Crawford now as opposed to last year, Last these past few years, it seems like we've forgotten that you know we were kind of just waiting for that contract to end because it was a bad contract given to a player who had done a lot for you in the past but hadn't done anything for you when you were paying him that big money. But now that that contract season was up, I was thinking at the trade deadline, you know, before he got hurt, that, oh, Crawford could be one of those guys that you could use as a trade ship. And then this last half of the season so far as we've started off the home stretch now as we're going to head into September and then October Brandon Crawford has showed no signs of slowing down and that was even though he was only one for five in this game yesterday it was a clutch hit and there's something beautiful about that opposite field uh, left or right center, depending on which on on whichever side of the plate the batter's on. But obviously, him being a lefty, he went to left center there. But I just love that type of hit when the ball is tailing. There's something beautiful about it, and when it hits that gap between the outfielders, you and especially when there's a runner on first, you know it's going to get in- exciting. And the fact that Buster Posey reaches home all the way from first. And then slides into the plate, and it's like the the least majestic slide that you've ever seen because he just, you know, it, it's not like a soccer player where soccer players, after they score a goal, they go on their knees and then they slide for like 10 feet. Sometimes when players are going home on a, on a big play like that, when they're going with a full head of steam, they'll slide maybe four feet past the bag. <laughs> but, but after like a foot, Buster Posey just stops dead in his tracks. And then Chris Bryant is standing there and he gets up and he smiles and you can tell that he's mouthing out the words saying, man, I'm fast. It's so like for me, I saw that play last night and I was just thinking, I can't believe that these two guys, Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey, two guys who I had, for me, their only value was defense. Knowing how Buster Posey works with younger pitchers and knowing how he frames pitches, knowing how good he is uh, as far as just gra- getting runners at second whenever they do steal, even though even though, uh, even though though steals are obsolete at this point in, in, in today's baseball. But Buster Posey, still a lot of value behind the plate. And Brandon Crawford, still a lot of value with the glove. But these guys had a resurgence in the beginning of the season, and they just haven't showed any signs of slowing down. I mean, it didn't even matter if they've been on the IL. It doesn't matter what's happened. These guys are still doing it. Buster Posey, batting three thirty three with 14 home runs. Brandon Crawford, batting two ninety, continuing to raise his batting average. At one point, it was at two sixty, And I was wondering why the hell everyone is considering an MVP candidate when he's hitting two sixty. But nevertheless, he's managed to get that batting average up to two eighty. I don't know how they're doing it, man. And I saw that yesterday, and them taking the lead. And I was just like, man, that's poetic. Just seeing those two guys being the ones that are connecting for that lead when the Diamondbacks made that uh, made that comeback, it, it, it was it was wild. But look, he was at a man. He was at a. Let me look at this. He was at a two forty eight batting average at the beginning of July. Brandon Crawford was a two forty eight batting average, and now at the tenth of August, up till then, he's at a two ninety. That's insane, and and he's been doing it in big spots too. It, I just, I, and you know, next year it's going to be there. There are going to be contract talks, and I do believe that uh, you know we are going to be paying Brandon Crawford. At least the Giants are not we. I'm not. I'm not. You know, part of the team. But the Giants are going to be paying Brandon Crawford uh, a new contract, giving him maybe a, a multi-year deal. I don't know what it's going to be. There's a very strong possibility that there could be an overpay. But look. If you're going into next season where the left side of your infield is looking like Chris Bryant along with Brandon Crawford, I'm not going to be mad at that. I'm not going to be mad at that. And everything that they've been doing, which is the the fascinating part to me, everything that they've been doing, especially with Buster Posey at catcher and Brandon Crawford at shortstop, two positions where... Marco Luciano at some point is going to be, you know, brought up. Obviously, he's in high A right now over in Eugene, so it's going to be a long time coming from that. So we would have kept watch on him, and it's the same with Joey Bart. 
Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford have made you forgot entirely about those two guys. You're no longer on Bart and Luciano watch. You're on Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford watch right now. It's every single night with these guys, and they are never out of it. Should that game have gotten to that point? Should it have gotten to the point where they need Buster Posey to run around from first and score from home on a tailing Brandon Crawford line drive to left center? No. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. It should. It, they, there shouldn't have been that situation. It didn't. Need, it didn't need to be a high leverage situation for them. But it happened, and they still managed to get the win. And then you know, obviously the uh, Jake McGee not really you know pitching too well on those O two pitches. Given up, you know, it's just like you need a strikeout pitch, Jake McGee. Uh, and you know, obviously the Giants still get the win. It's just I watched that game last night. And I was just thinking this is wild, especially in these later innings. After the sixth inning, it is much watch, uh, must watch TV. But something happened at the beginning of the game, and I teased this earlier, but I do want to get to it next because I do got a break. But I want to get to what Buster Posey had to say about Madison Bumgarner because I think what he said can resonate with any baseball fan, no matter what team you're a fan of, no matter who, even if you're not a fan of a team, even if you're just a general baseball fan, sports fan even, I think you can resonate with what Buster Posey had to say regarding Madison Bumgarner and his uh, return to San Francisco with fans last night. We'll get to that next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Plus, the 49ers have released their first unofficial official depth chart, whatever it is. I don't know. They always bring up the unofficial, the official, whatever. There was a depth chart that was released from the 49ers last night. And Kyle Shanahan spoke at the podium. There is something to that third wide receiver position because Kyle Shanahan gave an update on Jalen Hurd and he seems like Jalen Hurd, it just seems like he's done. It doesn't seem like he's going to be, you're not going to see him playing many snaps for this 49ers team, if at all. We'll get to that all next. Triple A nine five seven nine five seven zero. as that was the longest tease in radio history on 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple A nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Want to close out the baseball conversation with something that Buster Posey had to say uh, regarding Madison Bumgarner, and we'll get to that. But something I watched yesterday, just a just a little sidetrack here, and I will get to um, the. Kyle Shanahan comments on Jalen Hurd because the first unofficial, now you're not able to see it because you're currently either driving in your car or, as expected, you probably woke up, just tuned into the Odyssey app, tuned into the pregame show because that's your morning routine, right? Yeah, I know that's what you're doing. But uh, I will be getting eventually to um, the unofficial, <laughs> in air quotes, unofficial depth chart, even though there's something official about it. The only thing that's not official about it is that it's not the finalized roster. That's the only thing that's unofficial about this thing. But they came out with their depth chart yesterday, and there are a couple of questions I have in terms of the depth. And depth is something that hasn't been talked about as of late because Trey Lance and Jimmy G has dominated the conversation, and rightfully so, and they're going to dominate the conversation all week next week once they actually play a preseason game and we get to uh, see some on-field action with these guys, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, yesterday I watched uh, the, uh, what was it, the first episode of the movies that made us? In the second season, they've come out with the first season, and then they did a holiday edition as well. Netflix puts out this series called The Movies That Made Us, where they go through four or five different movies per season, and it's just a documentary-style format, and that gives you behind-the-scenes looks as to how that movie was made. And luckily, I had enough time yesterday to where I watched the first two or excuse me, the first and the third, because Pretty Woman was the second episode, and I've never seen Pretty Woman before. Uh, Shout out to Richard Gere. But uh, I watched the Back to the Future and the Jurassic Park one. Highly recommend you watch both of those. 
And, and, and a little secret. This isn't even really a, a secret, so I don't feel bad for revealing this one. If you if you're waiting to see it, I don't think this is as much of a spoiler. But they were filming Back to the Future. That is with another actor instead of Michael J. Fox for five and a half weeks at the beginning. How crazy is that? Five and a half weeks. They're doing it without Michael J. Fox. And the footage that they show, it's insane the change that one actor can make on a movie. So if you're a movie guy like I am, and even though I haven't seen uh, Pretty Woman, which I I guess I should if that's one of the movies that made us, but um, the one for Back to the Future is really good. The one for Jurassic Park is awesome. The one up next is Tom Hanks. And now you're sensing a theme here. It's like uh, the the one up next is Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. And you're sensing a theme where it's like, yeah, the Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg movies had a heavy influence as the movies that made us. So just a little sidetrack. I recommend you go and check that out uh, if you got nothing to watch on Netflix and need something. But I mean, there's also the Cocaine Cowboys uh, that's come out, the new uh, six-part series. Then they got the Malice at the Palace documentary coming out, which I'm really looking forward to. That's going to be uh, what next week. So I'm I'm a I'm a I'm I'm excited to see what they got coming up on Netflix. But if you in the meantime, movies that made us check it out. Now Buster Posey, yesterday's game. He spoke afterwards about Madison Bumgarner. Now, Madison Bumgarner made his return to San Francisco with fans for the first time. We saw him come back last season to Oracle Park, and uh, there were no fans, which you wanted to see. There were certain moments last season where I wish there was a crowd. For example, Albert Pujols breaking records. You, you, you know, like, I, I needed to see a crowd to congratulate him because, you know, it's just, you, you saw with the Olympics, sometimes a crowd is just needed. But um, Madison Bumgarner yesterday making his return to the fans and, you know, the Giants, as they do with their homecomings, they treat these guys really well, gave him a chance to get a standing ovation. Didn't look like Madison Bumgarner really knew what to do. He, uh, you know. Just flicked his hat in the air, and then eventually, as as the guys are as the fans are giving him a stand to go, it looked like his Diamondbacks teammates are telling him to get out the dugout or something. And he just lifts both of his arms in the air, and he's smiling, giving a, giving a little smirk to the crowd. Whatever, it was it was a cool moment. And knowing what Madison Bumgarner's done for this franchise can't be overlooked, and I don't think it will ever be forgotten. Um, you know, in the way that they handled uh, his final season with the Giants. I personally think they could have handled it uh, a little differently, but nevertheless, Madison Bumgarner still got that big standing ovation, and Buster Posey spoke about that after the game, and here's what Buster Posey had to say. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bum's been, has did incredible things here and will always, you know, be beloved, and it's cool to see him get that ovation, and for a guy that's meant so much to, uh, you know, the Giants organization, and city of San Francisco. I think we've probably talked about it before, but there's probably people sitting in the stands that have memories, specific memories of watching him pitch, whether it was with a, a grandchild or a, a you know father they were watching the game with. And I think that's where, what resonates with people about this game so much is it's, it's a sport that can be shared from generation to generation. And uh, that's kind of what I felt when I heard them cheering him tonight. And I just think that when I when I heard that and it just resonated with me because, you know, when you are talking with friends and family, especially if you're a sports fan. And look, I can only assume that if you are listening to sports radio right now at 5.43 in the morning and you're listening to a schmuck like me on the radio, I can only assume that you are into sports. And the people that you have surrounded yourself with, even if it's not family members, but friends as well, I'm just making the assumption that you have surrounded yourself with other sports fans. And I think it's pretty damn cool how you can look at a guy like Madison Bumgarner and just relive those memories and go back to where you were in 2014 and uh, 2012 and 2010 when they won those championships. Hell, um, if you're an A's fan, going back to those playoff days, I'm sure there was a lot of fun 
uh, times had with A's fans whenever they were actually uh, when they were in the playoffs and they actually won some games. Obviously, I'm not talking about that one against the the Tampa Bay Rays or uh, any of the various wild card games that it ended up losing in the one game elimination. But when they were in, you know, playoff. Hudson stuff with the A's and the White Sox last uh, last season, even though fans weren't there. I'm sure there are memories shared at home there as well. It's just it, it's it's very fascinating to me how much sports is a part of not only my life but our lives in general. It, it's just it, we don't have to um, we don't have to be fans of these teams. You know, they're not out here asking us, hey, you should be a fan. Like, we choose to be because that's who we surround ourselves with, you know? And I just find that fascinating. The the whole, in, in general, the entire sports landscape is built around the players and it's built around the fan bases. And it's like, these fan bases, you just, you don't have to get indoctrinated. You just become a fan. And and what what the mouse in the palace is already out? Did I read did I read Netflix wrong yesterday? Is my Netflix off? I could have sworn it said it was out on August seventeenth. Damn, damn, oh, oh, that's terrible. Can't believe I said that. I am spreading some misinformation on here. I'm spreading misinformation at five forty five in the morning. I'm sorry about that. Apparently, mouse in the palace is already out. Go check it out. But what I'm saying is, when Buster Posey said that about Madison Bumgarner, it's just I can only imagine for Giants fans looking at Bum and seeing him in a Diamondbacks uniform. It just it does take you back for a second, you know. And you remember Bumgarner coming in in the fifth inning, just walking in from the left field uh, left field bullpen over there in Kansas City. And it's just you're thinking, oh man, this is game seven, and you're, there's no way that they're going to be taking out taking him out of this game. It's just there's a lot of cool moments, and from the seven oh seven, sounds like you're a Raider fan, nice guy. Yeah, well, look, as a Raider fan, the only memories I have, the only good memories I have, I can go back on YouTube and watch the two two thousand two AFC Championship game between the Titans and the Raiders, and look back on that fondly. But I was not very cognizant of football at that time. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. I was like nine or ten years old, so I didn't fully understand what I was watching. And really, when I started understand what I was watching. The only memories I've had are just the sad, lonely walks across the BART Bridge when everyone is just heartbroken because of how bad the team is when you're going in expecting a win no matter who they're playing. Those are the only memories I have. But yeah, no, just seeing what Buster Posey had to say about that last night, it makes you think. makes you think a little bit. And it's just Interesting how sports brings a lot of us together. And, you know, you look at the World Cup and, you know, when you're seeing countries collide and you're seeing how big of an impact that has uh, on the sports world, everyone wants to watch it. You want to be a part of it. And I just think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. From the 707, it's like seeing Frank Gore in another uni. It doesn't look right. Yeah, there are a lot of those guys. And I've done that show before where, you know, you just start going uh, down the list of. Guys who it what you were taken aback by seeing them in a different jersey, and it stemmed from seeing like Frank Thomas in a Blue Jays jersey. Like I was Frank Thomas played for the Blue Jays. I picture him in maybe a Chicago White Sox jersey. I picture him in maybe an Oakland A's jersey just because he was in Oakland for a little bit. But I don't picture him in a Jays uniform. I don't picture Will Clark in a Rangers uniform. There are a lot of guys like that. It's weird. From the seven oh seven, Gino and Vacaville. I'm the same age as you, as you know, and haven't had to go, haven't had much to go off of since we were both born in '93. Yeah, there's, there's, there's not a lot, but if you're a Giants and Warriors fan, there's been a lot in the past decade. It's, 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 it's wild. I don't think I'm gonna ever, um, I don't think I'm ever gonna experience something like that than we experienced from 10, 2010 all the way to 2020. But. Speaking of Frank Gore, and speaking of the 49ers, as I transition here, the 49ers released their unofficial depth chart. And I want to know from you at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. I'd love to know from you as a 49er fan. This isn't going to be the Trey Lance and Jimmy G conversation. This is going to be the concern conversation. Because the depth chart was released yesterday. And I wonder, have you looked at it? And are there any concerns for you with this team position-wise going forward? 888 Are there any concerns for you with this roster going forward? 
because I'm looking at the offense and, of course, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, we know what's happening there. At running back, it's listed as Raheem Mostert, the rookie Trey Sermon, then Wayne Gallman and Jamichael Hasty, then Elijah Mitchell. So, you know, Trey Sermon as the backup running back, I think Raheem Mostert's damn good. I think he's actually very underrated and doesn't get, um, not underrated, I, I want to say that, but I'd say he's underappreciated because we've come to that point where it's like, well, any running back can succeed in Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's not necessarily true. Raheem Mostert is damn good whenever he gets a full head of steam. So I do like what I see uh, from the running back position. Obviously, Kyle Juszczyk as well uh, can be listed in there among the fullbacks. But here is where I get a little concerned. And this is where, for me, I'm looking at the wide receiver position and I see Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. All right. All right. That's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like, it, it, look, Debo. I know he, you know, may not uh, live up to the expectation of what you wanted because I think everyone expected him when he was a second round pick to maybe be the number one receiver. But then Brandon Ayuk came through, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's what our number one wide receiver should look like. So it's a good one-two punch. But after that. Next up, you got Mohamed Sanu and Richie James on the depth chart. And that's not very inspiring to me. I know Mohamed Sanu had played in Shanahan's offense and had been successful in Shanahan's offense before over there in Atlanta. But there was a reason that he was just traveling from team to team to team and didn't even make the team last season. And then Richie James. Richie James is, you know, kind of that been that returner specialist guy that you'd want on the roster, but having him as the de facto number three wide receiver when you need a slot receiver, depending on the formation that you're in, I don't see much at the third wide receiver spot. And that's what I'm wondering. Who is going to be that number three guy? Kendrick Bourne was that guy last year. But Kendrick Bourne was really frustrating in that, like a lot of these number three wide receivers, he always made the tough catches, but then on the easy ones, it felt like he didn't make those plays, and that's what would frustrate you the most. And then Kyle Shanahan, yesterday in his presser, this is what struck me, because you'd be thinking, oh, in the number three position, ah, we could put Jalen Hurd there. Well, Jalen Hurd hasn't really been practicing, and then Kyle Shanahan said this yesterday. I know he's battling back from a serious injury, and we know the potential he has and the upside on how much we think he can help us, but um, he's got to show that. And, you know, there's not a lot of time left, but, you know, we, we want to be smart with him. I know some things are bothering him today, so hopefully he can get in a groove where he has a chance to go out there and play some football and give himself a chance to make this team. He just sounds frustrated when he's talking about Jalen Hurd because I think a lot was expected of him, but... If you didn't think there was any concern there when you have a back injury in your rookie season and you're 22, 23 years old, there's something there. And then after that, you got Trent Sherfield, who I'd never heard of him until Trey Lance threw that 50-yard pass to him, throw it across his body. That's like the first time I'd ever heard of Trent Sherfield. Then you got Jawan Jennings, Travis Benjamin, River Craycraft. Then you got Webster, Kevin White, Austin Watkins Jr., that wide receiver room, the depth there is not uh, very, how should I put it? It is not very potent. That's not what I'd say about this uh, wide receiver room. Because if Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel goes down, look, I don't care what quarterback you are, you do need some wide receivers to throw to. You do need a number two guy. I mean, remember what happened with the Packers when Devontae Adams goes down? Even Aaron Rodgers with some of those backup receivers, whether it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard, although Alan Lazard actually showed out a, a, a few times here and there. But, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers even proved that he can struggle without that number one wide receiver. So um, if Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, one of those starters goes down, especially Brandon Ayuk, you could be running into some trouble there, and you're going to be seeing more of a heavy workload for Raheem Mostert. So I'd, I'd list that um, as a concern. 
And then also, I don't know what to make, and this is the the least sexy thing I could ever talk about. And from the 415, wide receiver depth, less of a concern. When you have Kittle and you have Ross Dwelly just saying, yeah, but also you need a red zone threat. And George Kittle doesn't pose as a red zone threat. That dude's a threat any other spot on the field. But in the red zone, George Kittle, that's like the only weak part of his game. If, there, if there's any part of his game that you, and, and it's not even that much of a weak part, that you could go a lot of ways with that one. It doesn't necessarily all uh, go against George Kittle there. That could be the quarterback's, uh, quarterback's issue. It could be Kyle Shanahan's issue, calling the plays, whoever it is. You can't blame it all on George Kittle. But the facts are, those red zone numbers that you'd want from Kittle aren't there. And that's what be the concern for me, is just having that wide receiver in the red zone who you can go to. But here's the the least sexy of the concerns, but and you could alleviate some of this, but the right guard position. It looks like rookie Aaron Banks could be a starter by the time week one rolls around, but that's completely up in the air because Daniel Brunskill is listed as a starter as of right uh, uh, as of uh, as of now at right guard. And you know, you got Alex Mack and you got Trent Williams, but on the right side, if you are if you have a position which doesn't necessarily have a de facto starter yet, along with Mike McGlinchey, and Mike McGlinchey did get bigger, and he's just such a he's a huge guy in general. I even I, I even feel bad on the radio saying that he that he stunk last year, but let's be honest, he was not very good. And Mike McGlinchey being on the right side, next up, you got Tom Compton. So after that, it's like the right side of the offensive line. You could you know you could work with that. But if Mike McGlinchey doesn't step up and alleviate some of the issues that you could be seeing from right guard, then I think you could be seeing some issues there with the right side of the offensive line. Like, that's really where I'm at. From the 925, we signed Wayne Galbin. He had a great year with the Giants last year. That's a sneaky signing. Did he? Did he have a did he have a great year with the Giants? Let me look that up actually. I I I wrote those down a little while ago. Yeah, six hundred eighty two yards, six TDs, twenty one receptions. He's not going to be more uh, uh, much more than a pass catching back out of the backfield, if anything, or maybe a guy you can you know line up in the slot if you're going uh, you know if you're going five wide. I mean, you could put Wayne Gallman there and he could be a, a receiver as well. So um, I do think that was a sneaky good signing. But yeah, they got Wayne Gallman. <laughs> They do have Wayne Gallman. From the 650, I think Jalen Hurd and Jawan Jennings will eventually take the third spot. Well, hearing how Jalen Hurd was talked about from Kyle Shanahan, I don't know if he's going to be playing. I just don't know if that's going to be happening. But then also on the defensive side, look, the D-line, you're stacked there. And if D Ford is healthy, stacked. You're you're you you, you and Nick Bosa as well, you're good. Right, I'm, I I do think the battle there though um, at uh, when you're talking about D tackle, not only not not with the not with Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw is obviously going to be your starting DT, but I think Kentavious Street has a lot to prove coming off of injury, and Mo Hurst wants to get another run after going through a bunch of defensive line coaches with the Raiders. That's going to be an interesting little battle to watch out for. Um, is that second spot as at defensive tackle, but. And the linebackers are sorted out as well. But at safety, Jaquaski Tart, he has a toe injury right now. And I'd say for me, if Jaquaski Tart isn't in there, then it feels like you don't have much. You got Tavon Wilson and the rookie Hufanga. And then you got Tony Jefferson as well. But Jaquaski Tart, he got injured and We've seen what happens when one of those safeties goes down that the other team can take advantage. And Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward have this style of communication that can't really be taught. And that meaning they were once playing in high school. <laughs> like, they've played together for a while. So with those two guys, and you put someone different out there, puts a lot of the pressure on Jimmy Ward. A lot of the pressure on Jimmy Ward and that guy at strong safety, whoever it's going to be, is going to have to step up and try and stop him in the run. I'm very curious to see how uh, uh, opposing offenses attack them there if there is an issue over there at strong safety. And not only that, but it's also nickel corner. You need Kaywon Williams to stay healthy. 
Because if Kwan Williams doesn't stay healthy, there's a possibility you could be putting Jimmy Ward in at nickel corner. That leaves a free safety position open. And the next man up at free safety is Jared Maiden. So the lack of experience with the depth is the, is the concern. But overall, with the starting 11 on both offense and defense, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, look. That starting 11 you got going out on on both sides of the ball, it's really good. It's just a matter of if those guys get hurt, whether the backup guys can make up and fill that role that they need to fill. That's really what I'm going to be looking at. Um, and that's what's going to make this uh, this uh, this preseason so interesting is we're going to be so hyper-focused at the quarterback position, but in those later quarters, in those in the second halves of these games, that's where you're going to see what you're made of there in terms of the second, third, fourth stringers. Like that's it's going to be big in uh, these training camp games to watch out for that. All right. The Morning Roast with Bonte and Shasky is coming up next. Thanks so much for joining me everyone. Can't believe can't believe I said that that Malice at the Palace stock was out on August 17th. Can't believe I'm spreading all this misinformation here on the pregame show. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.